0: Hello and welcome to the Pathway Podcast. Our mission is to help you know God, find family, and make a difference. Enjoy today's message. new welcome. My name is Brian. I'm the pastor. And at Pathway, our goal is to help you know God. Because we believe when you know God, not just know about Him, but really know Him on a personal level, it changes everything in your life. And so, man, we're so glad you're here. Thanks for coming. And uh, what we do every summer, and and it's really one of our more popular series that we do throughout the whole year, we go through the entire Bible and we look at really like the, the most famous stories of the Bible, and I don't like to call them stories because that makes them sound like they're not they're they're fiction. But these are all nonfiction stories; they actually happen, and all of them are true. Archaeology can prove that. And uh, we're going to look at them. Maybe you've heard some of these as a kid. Maybe you've seen them. Some of them have been made into movies. Maybe you have never heard them at all. Well, we're glad you're here because we're going to look at them closer today, and, and we're so excited about it. the one we're going to look at today is a really famous one uh, called Daniel and the Lion's Den. And this is a really famous story. And a couple of things before we check it out. It's in the Old Testament of the Bible. The Bible has New and Old Testament. And in the Old Testament of the Bible, the book called Daniel, uh, because he's the guy that writes it. Daniel lives an an interesting life. I mean, a really amazing life. Um, And and just to give you a quick snapshot, some background so you understand when we dive in what we're reading about. But in Daniel, uh, this guy, when we're going to read it in chapter 6, is 80 years old. He's not young. I mean, by any stretch of the means, he's not young. He's 80 years old. And I just say this. This isn't the message, but I just want to say this. Look, if you're like, well, I'm 65 and my best days are behind me, and I don't know that God could really use me in an amazing way, that is a lie. That's not true. I would just say this. Maybe with God, your best days are ahead of you. You could be 65, 75, 85, and God is still going to use you. He's still got a purpose and an amazing plan in your life. Now, for God, it's not the time to cope in your retirement years, it's the time to say, God, now more than ever, use my life. Man, you could be 80, God still use you. That's a whole whole other message. And the other thing about Daniel is that we're going to read that Daniel is serving in an area called Babylon or Babylonia. And the Babylonian Empire was the largest empire in the known world at that time. It stretched all the way from Libya, modern-day northern Africa, to all the way to India. It crossed three continents. I mean, a massive empire. Daniel had served three different administrations, three different kings. He's 80 years old. By the way, Daniel is not from Babylon, the capital city. Daniel's not from this area. He's from Israel. Daniel was Jewish. These people are anti-Jewish in in every sense of the meaning. They they look down their nose at Jews and kind of anti-Semitic a little bit. And, And yet here Daniel is, he's not here because he wants to be. He's here because years ago the Babylonian Empire captured and conquered Israel and took all the people away as slaves. Daniel is here in Babylon against, against his will. He doesn't want to be here. He doesn't speak the language. He doesn't speak the culture. I mean, he, this is a foreign area, and yet here Daniel is. And that, I think, in my mind, makes everything that we're about to read and, and study about his life all the more remarkable. In Daniel chapter 6, this is what it says, verse 1. Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces And he appointed high officers to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Then the other administrators and high officials began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. So they concluded, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be on the connection with the rules of his religion. So the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, Long live King Darius. We are all in agreement, we administrators, officials, high officers, and advisors and governors, that the king should make a new law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into a den of lions." And now your majesty, issue and sign this law so that it cannot be changed, an official law of the Medes and Persians, and it cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. So here's what's fascinating. There's 120 people. The empire is so big that he appoints leaders, governors, to oversee all these different sections, all these different provinces, 120 of them. And above them, they have three different leaders. And then really it says, notice what it says in verse 2, Daniel proved to be more capable than the other two guys he was kind of sharing the responsibility with. And so King Darius had plans to promote Daniel to be the vice president of all of the Babylonian empire. And he's not even from Babylon. I mean, it's remarkable. The first thing that really stands out that you see really about the character of Daniel in verses 3 and 4 are about his character and his integrity. Notice what it said. He was always reliable, always faithful, and completely trustworthy. They looked for a way to find faults in him, but they couldn't find anything. He didn't do anything wrong. Listen, I would just say this, that that we, especially followers of Jesus, but I'll say this as well. Even if you don't believe in God or believe in Jesus, what I'm about to say still applies to you. And I think it's still some good advice. We should be the best employees, the best leaders, the best bosses. Like, we should have, and one translation of that says that Daniel had an excellent spirit. Listen, we should be known for our work ethic. We should be known for always being on time, always working hard, always having a good attitude. Like, I think it should be known that people in the workplace, the best employees, the best bosses, the best leaders, the best middle managers are Christians, are followers of Jesus. Why? Because of our work ethic. Like, like I, I grew up in a, in a great church, but it wasn't perfect. And there were a lot of people in that church that would just, man, Sunday mornings, they were, you know, shouting, and they were raising their hands and worship and clapping, all this good stuff, but yet, um, as I got older, I knew some people who worked with them in the workplace, and I'd go, like, oh, hey, I know you work with so-and-so, and, and uh, what are they like? I didn't tell them they go to our church. What are they, what are they like? And and they said, uh, man, they're actually one of the worst employees ever. And they're lucky they still have a job. And we're thinking about, you know, firing them. I'm like, why? Well, they, they just always gripe. They always complain. I mean, everything we, that the boss asks them to do, they complain. They gripe. Well, I got a better thing to do. They just have a bad attitude. Nobody wants to be. They're late. They're lazy. On and on and on. No, It should be said of all of us that we are the best employees. We have an excellent spirit. Hey, when other people are gossiping about fellow coworkers, we walk away. Or we stop it dead in its track. We're always on time. We're going to work hard. Notice, I didn't say you got to be the most talented. In fact, talent can often get you in trouble. Look at sports. Sometimes the most talented people in sports have the least amount of character. But the opposite is true. We love to celebrate the stories in sports of someone that didn't have quite the talent. But they were full of character, and they worked hard, and they were in the gym, and they were on the court. They were in the field working harder than everybody else. They had excellent character, excellent integrity. We celebrate those people. Look, you don't have to be the most talented person at your place of employment. We're not saying that. But you do need to be the person with the most character and the most integrity. If you're an an employee, like your boss should know, man, if there's one person I can count on, if there's one person that I can trust, it's them. If you're a boss, that like, that's, should be the reputation you have to your employees. I mean, I know my boss. He's not perfect. She's not perfect, but I know they got my back. I know that they're a person of integrity, a person of character. They're always faithful. They're always trustworthy. I just think that's remarkable about Daniel, about his life, that he was a person of an excellent spirit. How much more should we have that as well? Listen, I would just say this. Does your work habit reflect your faith habit? Right? Does your work habit of, of, of doing that, does that reflect your faith and your relationship with God? Or is it, like I said earlier, some people who, man, Sunday morning, we're all about it. And look, can I just say this? The best way to reach people at your workplace that don't know Jesus is not by quoting the Bible. It's by being having a good work ethic and being a good employee and being a good boss, right? Like you can quote the Bible all day long. That's only going to push them away if you're a lazy person and you're not a good employee. But when they can trust you and you're a person of character and integrity, then their, their heart, and mind is open to hear about the Jesus that you serve. Be a person of great integrity. I'd say work hard and let your work speak for itself. In fact, this isn't just what Daniel does. In fact, in the New Testament, in Colossians chapter 3, in the New Testament, it's a letter written to some Christians that live in the area of Colossae in the ancient world, written by a guy named Paul. And and he writes them in chapter 3, and he says this, that everything you do... Do as unto Jesus. Really, it says, everything we do, we should serve as unto the Lord. And so, listen, everything you do, man, a husband, a wife, a parent, a a student, whatever, like an employee, a boss, everything you do, treat as if Jesus was there at your workplace. Treat as if Jesus was there in your home. Treat as if Jesus was your boss. You'd certainly be on time, I would hope. Like, treat, you wouldn't be gossiping if Jesus was your boss. Jesus was an employee. Everything you do, do unto God. Look at it. Instead of, I'm earning a paycheck. No, no, no. God put me here for a reason. He gave me the talent and skills to be here, and I am here to make this place better. That's what's remarkable about Daniel. Daniel's not from Babylon. He had to learn the language. He had to learn the culture. And yet, even as a slave, instead of saying, man, i got to get out of here. I can't stand these people. They're all wicked. They're all evil. They're all horrible people. Instead, Daniel's attitude was, God, if this is where you have me, even as a slave, I'm going to serve them to the best of my ability. Even when I don't speak the language and I don't relate to the culture, I'm going to give them my best because it's not for me, but, God, it's for you. I'm not serving King Darius. I'm serving the king of kings in heaven. Like, we got to have that attitude. In fact, in 2 Corinthians in the New Testament says that as well, that we are citizens of heaven first and ambassadors to earth second. What that means is that, look, we should represent the values of heaven to our place here on earth. This world is not your home. It doesn't have the final say of your life. Heaven is your final home. Therefore, we should represent the values of heaven to this place of earth in everything that we do. Here's the thing, though. when, when I believe this, that character leads to favor. And when you have great character, and we should all strive for great character, not perfection. Daniel wasn't perfect. He was close, but not perfect. But when you have great character, it leads to God's favor. Because, look, listen, don't don't be praying for God to bless your life when you have no character. Because God will not do it. That goes against his nature. Don't be expecting God to bless you and get you out of a jam when you have no integrity. No, God will only bless you when you have character and integrity like Daniel. And then, here's the thing. Daniel didn't put in for the promotion. Daniel didn't even promote himself. He didn't send his resume. He didn't get on Indeed or Monster.com. Instead, God promoted him. The old saying that the cream always rises to the top. Look, when you are a person of character and integrity, you do not have to promote yourself. God will promote you himself. You don't have to work hard to get noticed by your boss and noticed by other people. God will make sure his hand of favor and blessing is on your life because you're a person of character and integrity here's the other thing though that sounds all great but there's a catch big catch not everybody likes God's favor on your life not everybody likes God's blessing on your life people that don't know Jesus they hate that about you they can't put their finger on it but that's what happened with Daniel notice the chain of events he's a person of great character therefore God blessed him with his favor therefore everybody around him was jealous of him Listen, God's favor on your life and on my life will make other people jealous, sometimes even other Christians, sometimes even other po- followers of Jesus. And here's what they do. They look for any way they can to get you. They look for any way they can to put you down to build themselves up, which speaks more about their lack of character than yours. Look, and, and I think it's interesting that it says in verse 5, they search for ways to trap him. They look for and they say that about Jesus as well. The religious leaders look for ways to mess him up, and they couldn't do it. Like, they look for, I mean, they, they got like, and it wasn't just a few guys. There's a team of people. They brought in the FBI. They, they're looking at his search history. I mean, they're, they're looking at his Instagram messages. They're looking at his pictures, his posts on social media. They're going through his emails, his bank records, and he was impeccable. They couldn't find anything. I mean, like, could we say that about you? Could we say that about me? Like, if we had everybody just combing over my life as a man, the only thing we can find about you that's wrong is your relationship with Jesus. That is remarkable. I want to get to that point in my life where people could look at me and say, "There's nothing wrong with you at all." I mean, we're not saying you're perfect, but you have no major fault or flaw that we can point out, except your love for Jesus. That's amazing. That's really, really remarkable about Daniel. Listen. Your relationship with God will be offensive to other people. It will. Jesus warned us about that in Matthew chapter 10 and chapter 12, that your relationship with him you will be persecuted. You will be criticized for your faith. And here's what gets me when Christians, especially in America, are surprised on the news and they read about some law that infringes on their rights, like, like they're surprised about that. Hey, Jesus said that was going to happen 2,000 years ago, so just it's going to happen. Like he told us to be prepared. People are going to despise you, Jesus said, for being his follower. But don't you dare hate them in return or despise them in return. Do what Jesus did, love them in return. Do what Daniel did, love them in return. Daniel could have, could have said, hey, king, look, this isn't true. Look at what they're trying to do to me. This is bad. This is horrible. Daniel could have tried to trip them up, but instead he just still loved them. Like just love people. Don't you dare try to offend them or try to purposely push them away. Love them, even when it hurts. That's the story of Daniel. I love this, that, that what do you do in your life when you're doing the right things, but you get the wrong results? Daniel's doing the right thing. He's being faithful to God. He's praying to God. He's doing the right thing by serving King Darius faithfully. He, he's promoting the kingdom. The kingdom is blessed because of Daniel. And yet it still lands him in prison, and more than prison, a den of lions, because he breaks the law. Look at this in verse 10 and 11. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room. With its windows open toward Jerusalem, he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. Here's the thing. Prayer leads to power. What do you do in your life when you're doing the right things and you're being faithful to God, but your faithfulness to God gets you get you fired from your job? What do you do when you when you're really trying to be faithful to God and you're trying to serve and you're trying to be faithful to your boss, and as a boss you're trying to be faithful to your employees, but but something still happens and you still get fired or you still have to shut the business down? What do you do? For Daniel, it was pray. And notice this, by the way, that it said, as was his habit. Like, Daniel didn't pray before he got in the lion's den. Daniel didn't pray when he found out about, about the new law. No, it says that Daniel made a habit of this. It was almost like muscle memory but spiritual memory. That Daniel didn't say, oh, I found out about the law. I'm worried. I'm stressed. I'm anxious. I'm nervous. I'm going to lose sleep tonight. What's, what am I going to do? I'll go to the king and try to make it right. I, I'll scheme and try to find plans to get my way out. I'll hide. I'll run away. No. Daniel stood firm and did what? Prayed. He didn't hide. He didn't run away. He prayed because Daniel knew that there is power in prayer. Daniel realized, I could go to King Darius, but the ultimate authority is not with King Darius. It's with the king of kings in heaven. Daniel understood, I could go to my enemies and try to silence them, but my enemies have no real authority over me, only my father in heaven. Listen, don't be worried about about the kings and bosses of this earth. Focus on King Jesus of heaven. He's the one that has the real authority. He's the one that has the real power over your life. I mean, Daniel realized if I go to King Darius, what good is it going to do? He doesn't have any real authority. I'm going to go to the king of kings that can change the heart of King Darius. I'm going to go to the king of kings that can change the heart of my enemies. I'm going to pray. And notice what it says when they found him, what did they find him doing? Texting, calling, worrying, stressing, going to the bank? No, praying. But could it be said that when your enemy finds you out, what are you doing? Worried about your enemy, stressing about your enemy, or praying for your enemy? It says that they found Daniel praying. I love that. Daniel understood that there is power in prayer. Prayer, as we said before, is your greatest resource as a follower of Jesus. It is your greatest weapon. It is your greatest tool. And I think for many of us, we underutilize it. As I've said before, prayer can be the steering wheel of your life or the spare tire. A spare tire, only when you're in a jam, only when you need it, then you'll call on God for prayer. No. God wants much more for us than that. To be the steering wheel of our life. To guide our life in prayer. There's power in prayer. Daniel knew that. I love, one of the things that we do here at Pathway every January is we spend 21 days of prayer and fasting. Fasting is simply we're going to give up food or something like that if you have dietary issues. But we're going to give up typically food and we're going to spend that time praying. Why do we do it in January? Because it's the first of a brand new year. As we sang earlier, God doing a new thing. It's a new year. And so what we're really saying is, God, this year is yours. From January 1 to December 31, it's your year. I am yours. My money is your money. Everything I have, my job is yours. My employees, my boss, everything that I have is yours. We give it to God in January because, look, you don't know what's going to happen in May of that year. You don't know what's going to happen in August, which is a week from now. You don't know what'll happen in October. But you can pray, and it's almost as if you're sending your prayers ahead of you. Be a person of prayer. That's why we always do that. I love with Daniel, if we were to interview him today, I think even being 80 years old, Daniel would say something like this Look, when I'm the vice president of the most powerful nation and empire in the world, I pray. When I'm thrown into a den of lions, I pray. When everybody's looking at me, I pray. When nobody's looking at me, I pray. When everything's going my way, I pray. When everything's falling apart around me, I pray. When I've got money, I pray. When I'm broke, I pray. When it's legal, I pray. When it's illegal, I pray. I pray, I pray, I pray. Let that be the anthem of your life. Let that be the anthem of Pathway. Let that be the anthem of this place. People of prayer. Prayer leads to power. Daniel knew that. 80 years old, and he understood that. I've shared this story before, but my mother passed away when I was 8 years old, and I remember a lot about her, Um, and one of the things that I remember the most, I've shared this a lot, but one of the things I remember the most is when she would, every morning she was a school teacher in northeast Oklahoma, and she taught special education students uh, with special needs, and and so every morning uh, she would get up first, and my dad would already be off to work, and, and I would get up and get ready to go to school. And uh, as I was getting ready to go to school, I'd come into the kitchen, and uh, we had a smaller house. I'd come in the kitchen, and there she would be with her Bible open in her bathrobe. She had usually wore contacts, but this time she had these, you know, glasses on. They're, you know, from the 80s, really thick glasses. And, and, and she would have her Bible, and she would be tears, not all the time, but a lot of times tears would be coming down her face onto the pages of the Bible, and there next to that was a a bowl of malt meal. I love malt meal. It has nothing to do with the message. I just love it. You want to bless me? Give me some malt I'm all about it. It reminds me of my mom. And so there would be malt meal, and 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 not all the time she would be crying. But it was just why would she be crying? Because she just felt an intimacy and a power and prayer in that simple moment. It wasn't like she was there for hours and hours. Maybe she was. I don't think so. But for those moments, she felt heaven on earth. She connected with God in a powerful way. And I remember that. I personally believe this, and I can't prove it to you, but I believe this with all my heart, that the, some of the prayers that she was praying was, God, be with, be with Brian. Help him to marry a godly woman. God, be with Brian and help, help him to do good in school. Help him to be a, a, a young man and a man of character. And it's, God, be with Brian. Help him to love you with all of his heart. Be with Brian. Help him to raise his kids that love you. Here's the thing. She never got to see any of those things happen. Maybe she is from heaven. I'm not sure how that works, to be honest. But but she never got to physically see it happen. But I believe to this day, and you could never tell me otherwise, God is answering her prayers from back in 1993 before she died, even to this day. Like, like look, I just believe that. I'm praying right now. Every day I pray over my kids. God, help them. And they're they're seven and five. God, help the person they're going to marry. Really help the person they're going to marry because they need it. But, God, let them be men and women and leaders and hard workers and character and integrity of prayer and of your presence and of your word. Let them, God, bring other people to you. I pray I pray over their kids. I mean, I just, like, look, parents, it's important that your kids see you pray. It's important that you pray over those things in the future. You never know what's going to happen. Daniel, I'm sure, months and years in advance, had no idea that one day praying would be outlawed, but yet he was prepared. Why? Because he prayed because he knew there's power in prayer. I told our staff this past Monday at staff meeting, hey, look, God is doing something very special, very unique right now at Pathway. And and, and this is not the time to go easy. This is not the time to coast. This is not the time to say, oh, man, finally things are really going our way. No, we have never seen God move the past few weeks like we have just just right now in over three years. Now is the time to pray like never before. Now is the time to lean in. Now is the time to seek God. What are you going to pray for? Revival. Why? We want to see people come to Jesus. We want to feel God in a powerful way. We pray for the city of Yukon and West Oklahoma City Metro. Like we're praying for revival. Now more than ever, we hit the gas. We lean in because God is moving. Be people of prayer. That's what God is wanting. Listen, I love that Daniel, we're about to read, gets thrown into the den of lions. You might be surrounded by the enemy in a den of lions, but God wants you to know you're not surrounded by the enemy. I'm sending angels to shut the mouth of the enemy in your life. You're not surrounded by lions. You're surrounded by my angels. Like, look, that's what prayer can do for you. That's the power of prayer. You're not surrounded by the problem. God's going to send an angel. He may come himself and shut the mouth of the problem for you and that you can sleep at peace at night. As we're about to read, Daniel slept better that night in the den of lions than the king did in his comfortable palace. Look at this in verse 16. So at last the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into a den of lions. The king said to him, May your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all all night. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you served so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? Verse 21, Daniel answered. Long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not harm me, for I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. So the king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. Listen, listen, Daniel, the king, notice what the king says, and that's what it means. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and in Hebrew, that's what it's saying. Look, Daniel, as the king, I can't rescue you. This law is binding, so maybe the God that you serve can rescue you. You need to know today, there are some things that only God can rescue you from. You can't earn your way out of it. You can't work your way out of it. You can't be religious enough to get out of it. You can't, you know, try to find a financial way out. Only God can rescue you for certain things in your life. Here's the thing that that I love. This right here proves that the enemy doesn't have the final say of your life. God does. The enemy thought that we got the final say of Daniel. We're putting him in a a tomb alive with the lion's den, and we're done with that rascal. It's all over. The enemy thought that was the final say. And thousands of years later, the enemy thought that when they put Jesus in the tomb and he was dead, that's it. It's all over. But what the enemy didn't know was that he doesn't have final say over our life. God does. And so Jesus comes out of the tomb, Daniel comes out of the tomb That's the third thing Jesus leads to freedom As we said every week That that the whole Bible points to Jesus And he's on every page if you look Daniel and Jesus have a lot in common Both of them Were willing to follow God To the point of death Daniel wants to follow God to death And yet he's spared in the lion's den But Jesus follows God To death And dies Both of them, as we said, were thrown into a tomb. Both of them in that tomb were sealed with a giant stone, and that stone was sealed shut so they couldn't get out. The only difference was Jesus was dead 100% when he was in there. Daniel was 100% alive. But both of them still came out of the den of death, more alive than they ever were before. The enemy doesn't have the final say over your life. Because Jesus leads to freedom. I love that about Daniel. See, Jesus goes into the ultimate lion's den. And as he's in there, he faces the ultimate problems that we would ever face: the problem of sin and death or separation from God. And Jesus doesn't just shut the mouth of sin and death, he destroys it once and for all. So look, the worst thing that could ever happen to you in this life isn't being financially broke, and that's that's very bad. The worst thing that could ever happen to you is death. But Jesus wants to encourage you and say, I've been there. I've done that. I got the T-shirt, and I shut the mouth of the lion. And if I face death so that you don't have to, you can live with me forever and ever. That's the message of the gospel. That's the message of the Bible. That's the good news of Jesus. You shouldn't be afraid of fear. You shouldn't be afraid of death. Because the worst thing that could ever happen to you has already been dealt with by Jesus. He is the only one that leads to freedom. Daniel's name, by the way, means in Hebrew, God is my judge. My judge is God. That's what his name means. It's not by accident, by the way, that towards the end, that's exactly what Daniel says. It's not just a coincidence. That's on purpose. That When King Darius comes back and he says, are you alive? And Daniel says, I have been judged by God and found innocent. And King Darius, I'm innocent in your eyes as well. King Darius says, man, God has served you faithfully. And he's overjoyed. And then he makes a law that they can only worship and pray the God of Daniel. Listen, when you give your life to Jesus, as we said many times before, what happens is if, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, every human being will be judged at the end of our life by God. And here's the key to knowing how that judgment is going to go. There's only one answer. Kind of like Daniel. Daniel knew that I could say, well, king, I, I'm going to try this and I'm going to try that. And none of it would work when you're facing death, when you're facing destruction of lions. None of it would work. Only one thing would work, a prayer of forgiveness. When you're facing that, when you give your life to Jesus and, and when you see God when at the end of your life and God is as your judge, the only thing you have to say is, I gave my life to Jesus, and he has forgiven me. And then God will look at you and say, completely forgiven, completely clean. I have judged. You've been found innocent in my eyes. Come on in. That's how it's going to go. That's the only answer. Well, I went to church every Sunday. No, no, that's not what I'm looking for. Well, I could quote the Bible. That's not what I'm looking for. What did you do with Jesus? Because he took the judgment for you. When he died on the cross, he took your judgment of sin. Everything wrong that you've ever done or ever will do, he took it on himself. And no one forced him to. He did that willingly. All of your judgment has already been judged and paid for by Jesus. And it cost him his life so that you could be found innocent. And when God looks at you, he doesn't see all the wrong that you've done, all your mistake, all your sin. He sees Jesus. He sees the goodness of Jesus, the righteousness of Jesus, the joy, the hope, the peace, and forgiveness of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the truth of Daniel chapter 6, Daniel and the lion's den. This wasn't a fictional, some, some story that was made up. This really happened. And we're thankful for the lessons that it teaches us on a very practical level to be people of character and integrity in the workplace, and in our life. It teaches us that power is in prayer, and prayer leads to your power and into your presence. But it ultimately teaches us that Jesus leads to freedom. Right now, as we're all just praying today, if you would like to give your life to Jesus, we're not saying that you're finding religion or joining our church. No, we're inviting you into an opportunity to the one that was in the lion's den for you, that died for you so that you could live a relationship. All that we ask you to do is simply raise your hand. You don't have to stand up. You don't have to come to the front, but right where you're at, yes, I want to give my life to Jesus. We've had people almost every week the past several weeks. But you know, something's been tugging at your heart, tugging in your mind, and and you can't sit. You're You're not comfortable in your chair because something on the inside is stirring in you that's him saying today's the day this is the moment well we are so glad that you joined us for this episode of the pathway church podcast stay tuned for more episodes to come and if you would like to connect with pathway church text connect to 400 405-0339 Four zero five zero three three nine today. And one of our staff members will be in touch with you as soon as possible. We can't wait to see what God is doing in your life. We hope that you know God, find family, and make a difference. Have a great week.